Welcome to GayRomance.show, the MM author podcast where we get to hear from the writers of our favorite LGBTQ fiction and their collaborators. We're talking about the creative process behind these characters and their worlds. I'm your host, Slade James. It is Friday, December 13th, 2019, as I record this introduction. This week, I'm speaking with K.M. Newhold about writing to market and her personal experience going from feeling depressed about a series that wasn't performing to the launch of her recent bestseller, Rocket Science. Our conversation about her mindset change and her strategies in choosing this project is coming up in just a few minutes. In personal news, I'm going to be honest with you. Although I successfully completed NaNoWriMo 2019, the manuscript it left me with... Jeez... It's an unnecessarily bloated pile of crap. And I know we all say that, and it's to be expected. I get it. But I'm really considering not doing this again. I would be happier with a more thoughtful and slowly written, cleaner first draft. That's just me. Now, here's the difference. In years past, I have written urban fantasy and historical fantasy using NaNo as part of my drafting process. I'm only referring to the two books that saw publication here, but with both of those, I did what I call a zero draft. I blueprint the entire book, scene by scene, with a couple of sentences or a small paragraph's worth of summary for each chapter before I start the first draft on November 1st. Zero drafting allows me to write out of order because my imagination and my excitement happen out of order. I write the scenes that are speaking to me, the ones that are playing in my mind on a given day, and the ones that are a little foggy or difficult or or feel stuck, like I don't know what to do with them yet, I just don't write them until later. I come back. And usually, something has occurred in another chapter, one of those that I'm excited to write, that informs those with the little question marks over them. I am not a pantser. Now, I write in flow in the moment, depending on what scene comes to me, but I go into a first draft with a complete plan with as few plot holes as possible. If something changes, fine, I'll change it. But I don't like to throw away work. Time is the one thing that I can't get more of. For some reason, writing in a new genre, contemporary male-male romance, I decided to try a new process as well to pants the book in order from beginning to end, as many of the MM authors that I've interviewed on this podcast do. I'm easily impressed by other people's processes, and I don't know why. I always learn the hard way that my way is the only way that's going to work for me. And I'd even go so far as to say, for the other authors who listen to this show, That is the overarching message that we hear over and over again from these authors that we look up to. Nobody's way is better. Your way is your way. I want to be as transparent as possible, though, about my own struggles. And that's what makes K.M. Newhold's story today so powerful. So, anyway, I'm having to step way back, and knit my book back together with the process that I know. I will be mining the manuscript for parts, let's call it. There are definitely large chunks of dialogue and some description I can use, but damn, never again am I going to just type words and call it writing for any reason, contest or not. 
No shade to Nano. I think it can be incredibly motivating in a lot of ways, on a lot of levels. But I don't know that I will do it again in the way that I did it this year. I've written six books, and only two of them have been published so far. When this new book that I'm working on now comes out, that's a tentative 50% success rate. Um, I am excited, though, about my series concept, and I have a team of allies that I've shared it with who are excited about the concept, and they're not going to let me fail. I've got two books outlined and a short written in that series, and I need to pick a third book idea, and then I'm going to work on producing those four pieces in the new year, 2020. So stay tuned. Before I forget... I want to say thank you for sharing the show with friends and leaving a review on iTunes. Both of those are entirely free ways you can support the show that have a huge positive impact on its visibility. I also want to thank you for pledging your support on Patreon. It demonstrates that you're enjoying the show and you want it to continue, and that's very encouraging to me. To find out how you can become a patron and support my time in producing more and more of these episodes, please go to patreon.com slash sladejames. Writing to market. Choosing the right project is everything. I mean, we have a million ideas, so just tell us which one will sell and we'll happily work on that one, right? You've probably read Chris Fox's book, Right to Market, Deliver a Book that Sells, Write Faster, Write Smarter. I highly recommend that title. And in case you haven't heard of it, I also want to recommend a piece of software called Publisher Rocket. It was once called KDP Rocket, and the name was recently changed. I know the developer, Dave Chesson. I met him at a writer's conference in Nashville several years ago. Dave runs a website called Kindlepreneur.com. He's a fantastic guy. I can vouch for his humanity. And I want to mention his site and his research tool as a resource. Anyone listening will likely, likely want to check those out if you haven't heard of them already. Publisher Rocket is a reasonably priced piece of software that pulls Amazon data. It allows you to research the actual searches readers are making on Amazon. It quantifies sales and competition for those terms, lists the competition or other books performing well in those categories that you're interested in, and one of its most useful applications is generating keywords for Amazon ads. I know people who use it just for that purpose, and it's worth every penny just for that. I also recommend the genre reports from Kalytics. And I will link to all these resources in the show notes. For the record, I'm not getting any kickback, even from Dave, (laughs) for recommending those tools. These are just some of the things that I've used in uh, attempting to write for market. So on October 31st, 2019, K.M. Newhold made a post in the Gay and M.M. Romance Author Network group on Facebook about writing to market. This post generated so much buzz and attention and conversation among her peers. This was not just some tutorial or blog post on writing to market for authors in general. This was one of our own, an M.M. romance author who's known for a best-selling series, sharing a really vulnerable personal experience with struggling to duplicate the success of Heathens, Inc. And most wonderfully... 
figuring out a winning combination that worked for her. I talked to several of my author friends that day about KM's post. I knew I wanted to interview her already, so I wrote and asked her to come on and talk about this hot topic. Here is KM Newhall sharing her experience with writing to market and the creative process behind Rocket Science. Yeah, so I started out in um, straight romance, MF romance. Um, I did that for a couple years, and it wasn't really going anywhere. You know, I wrote books because I was enjoying writing them. Um, I was still in college at the time, and it was sort of my side hobby, I guess. And I, I was publishing them, but, you know, I was lucky if I sold maybe 10 books. Um, and kind of, I was, you know, as you were mentioning when we were talking before um, about, you know, reading and writing, I was reading a ton in the genre, too. And um, after a little while, I started to find myself getting kind of bored with it. Like, I felt like I was reading the same tropes, the same thing. And I started to realize that maybe my writing style also didn't fit in the genre very well. Um, most readers who read straight romance, at least the vast majority, are looking for the really, like, macho alpha males. And that's just not the kind of characters I write. Mm. So uh, on a whim, I picked up a gay romance novel. It was um, Line Mates by Van Barrett. And uh, which nobody's ever heard of whenever I mention that, but it's a fantastic book. People should definitely check it out. Um, and I was just blown away by how different it was. It was so much, I felt like there was a lot more emotion than I had read in any of the MF romances. And the characters, I was able to identify with them a little bit more. There was, um, there's just so much more to it than most of the books that I'd been reading. And so I kind of fell down that rabbit hole and literally I scrapped the book I was working on at the time, which was an MF romance. And I started writing um, rescue me and I pretty much never looked back was Re rescue me part of the um heathens inc series yes yeah that's the first book in the heathens inc series and I actually I had plotted roughly loosely plotted out the first couple books in that series um planning to write them as ms initially and then I fell down this mm rabbit hole and I was like actually I think this would totally work if I switched it up and and I so I switched the plotting and made them all mm and I kind of started working on it. What do you think it did for you switching to MM? Was it allowing you to write different kinds of men? Yeah, I think that was a big part of it. I also feel like as a whole, you don't see a lot of, trying to think of it, like, it, like emotional struggle as much in MS. Mm. Um, and so that was something I, I just kind of felt like there was a lot richer variety of characters and, and life experiences and things like that that mm readers like to see in books so i think it kind of gave me a lot more creative freedom i felt like um to be able to write characters the way i wanted to write them and know that the readers would accept them that way i definitely want to talk about your creative process and in particular i want to kind of compare and contrast your earlier books like the series Heathens Inc. with your more recent book um, Rocket Science and the the idea to speak to you about writing to market came from a post that you did in the MM Author Network community on Facebook and um, you did a post in there and it was kind of an expose about <laughs> the experience that you had with having a hit series early on, then having your later follow-up series not doing as well, you felt like, and then, you know, this sort of um, flip to doing something that you felt was a little bit more intentionally to market. Um, yeah. So take me back, you know, 
Um, was it 2017 that you were doing Heathens Inc? Yep. Yeah, that was early 2017. I want to say probably March of 2017 is when Rescue Me came out, somewhere around there. Well, talk um, to me about your mindset as you were creating that series. Was it just writing the book on your heart, writing what was interesting? You know, like, were you strategizing? Were you thinking about the market? Take me to the mindset of where you were in that early series. Yeah, so um, I was definitely not thinking about the market. I, there was no strategy whatsoever at that point. <laughs> Uh, I was about uh, a couple months away from graduating college. And as I said, my books in, in MF were not selling. So I did not expect whatsoever that I would have any sales on this. I figured it was going to be another, you know, 10 books or whatever. And, uh, you know, barely cover the editing. And I actually fully expected that Rescue Me would probably be the last book I would be able to afford to publish for I didn't know how long. Because I, like I said, I was about to graduate. Money was tight. Um, so I was pretty much just having fun. I, I wanted to write some books about some tattoo artists because I, I've got tattoos. I've always been obsessed with tattoos. So like, I just want to write some guys who are covered in tattoos. I want to um, dig into some more of those emotional themes that I've been thinking about and just have fun with it. And I was absolutely blown away when people actually bought and liked Rescue Me. I could not believe it. <laughs> Was it um, more successful than the MF romances that you'd put out? Oh, by far. Yeah. Um, it sold, yeah, far and away. More than I had sold in three years publishing MF combined in probably the first month. What did that feel like? Um, it felt like, holy shit. <laughs> um, I, I have expected that um, it, it was a mistake. Like when it was time for the check to come, I was like, there's no way that Amazon is sending me a check for thousands of dollars. Like that's not going to happen. This is some kind of prank show. This cannot be real. Um, it, it was very surreal. It was crazy. Did you feel like, okay, so then what are you thinking as you're starting to put out the second book in that series? Like as you're following that up, are you just like covering your eyes, afraid to look at what's going to happen? <laughs> Uh, pretty much, yeah, it's, the nice thing is, the second book in that series, um, it's a really popular one, it's Going Commando, and that one was not emotionally heavy at all. That was the first time I've ever written a menage, um, and it has one of my, well, my most popular character by far, Royal, um, and he's just a goofball, and I, I just kind of was enjoying being in this goofy, silly mindset with him, um, and, and I figured, you know, it was probably a fluke that Rescue Me did well. If Going Commando does well, great. If not, at least, you know, I got to see what it felt like for a book to actually sell. So I just kind of threw it out there and figured, well, we'll see what happens. I, I think I was actually the most nervous for the third book because I then had had two in a row that did well. And I was like, there's no way this can continue. <laughs> I'm going to break this streak, right? <laughs> so how many series did you end up, I mean, how many books did you end up doing in uh, the Heathens Inc. series in a row? Um, In a row, let me think. I want to say five, I think I did in a row before I switched over to do, um, I, I then put out a co-written book with Nora Phoenix, which is in our Ballsy Boy series. Um, and then I also put out Face the Music, which is the first of my replay series. Okay, so... How did it feel, the creative process, as you're switching over to writing a new series? Did you feel like, 
okay, I really got lucky at the lottery with that? Or did, were you kind of feeling yourself thinking, I'm on a roll here, you know? And like, you just went straight into writing the Rockstar books, feeling like you could repeat it? Or, you know, talk to me about the how it felt to then try to do something different or to start over again. Yeah, it, it definitely the latter. I kind of felt like a rock star at that point. Like, okay, people are loving the way I write. People are loving my characters. Um, you know, this is going to be awesome. I, I was a little bit nervous. You know, are they going to follow me through to another series? But for the most part, I, I was feeling really super confident about it. And um, I, I started to think a teeny bit about market then, although I didn't do it very well because I, I said to myself, I, I knew that rock stars were popular, but I was thinking about MS romance. Rockstars are huge in MS romance. I never bothered to look to see if readers in MM like Rockstars just as much. So, um, I, and the Ace, honestly, that wasn't even something that I had thought about at the time. That's something that I've, I've come to think about a lot more recently, um, Ace versus fluffier books. But at the time, that was just what I wanted to write. Um, Lincoln, who's the first, uh, one of the main characters in the first book, uh, Face Music, he's, he's the anxious character I've written by far. And I was just, having fun with it. That's the kind of character that I really enjoy writing. And um, I figured, all right, well, you know, readers are loving this, so let's see what happens. And uh, it, it didn't go as well. <laughs> so did you know kind of right away, were you getting feedback, were you seeing reviews that said, oh, this isn't as fun as the other? Like, wh were you aware of, of what had happened? Or were you kind of thinking... Uh Oh, I'll do, you know, I'll put out a few more in the series and see if it gains momentum. What were, what, or did you just panic right away? Yeah, so the first thing part was, it definitely, the reviews were great. Um, all of my beta readers who had been reading, um, some of them had been reading my book since my MF days beta reading for me. Some of them um, had done all of season things. They all said, this, this is the best book you've written so far. This is amazing. This is brilliant. So I, I was feeling pretty good about it. Um, the reviews I got for readers were great but the sales weren't really there as much. Um, I didn't panic right away because, um, as I mentioned, I had also put out a joint book with Nora Phoenix, um, Rebel, and that one as well, it, it did very poorly in sales, the first one. But then when we put out the second book, Tank, we saw a huge upsurge in Rebel. Tank did really well. The rest of the series has done great. So I thought, okay, you know, I'm not going to freak out. Maybe once the second book's out, it'll do better. Right. Um, but then with each subsequent book, I, even the back sales too, you know, usually when you are putting out a series, you'll see a nice bump in the backlist of that series with each new book. And this, this, there's a tiny bump, nothing really to write home about though. So even when readers were picking up the new book, I didn't have new readers coming into the series is pretty much what I was noticing as I continued to, to write into it. Well, you know, when I first read your post, um, in the author network about this, my heart kind of sank because <laughs> I'm the unicorn who loves an ang angsty rock star <laughs> MM novel. I mean, like that's my poison right there. And yeah. um, I, I, I told you, I, you know, have this huge list compiled and I do this weird thing with things that I know I'm going to love. I save them over at the side for that moment when I'm like, don't have a book to go to. And then yeah. I go straight to my, so my list of like rockstar angst is, is like over here on the side, ready for me to like dip into at any moment that I feel a lull in what I'm reading, you know, right, um, right. I know it's going to work for me. And so, 
um i was like people don't like those oh no you know um because i i want to read them but also you know i i think of stories in in that category and um i i was thinking about this whole idea when you were talking about the 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 experience with the beta readers and i thought you know Um, your beta readers are probably a little deeper readers. Uh, They probably want a little bit more challenging book. They're probably a little bit more likely to be, um, if not authors themselves, then, you know, at least literary people, you know, meaning they, you know, they think like an English major, you know, Um, and that isn't, that's not, no, I was going to say that's not necessarily representative of, the the wild oceans of readers, right? Right, and I, I think also part of it, um, you know, they have to read it. I sent it to them; they have to read it for me. Um, whereas other, I, I feel like probably a lot of readers would like it if they picked it up because it's still very much one of my books. You know, it has my voice. Um, even under the angst, there's still that that fluffy part that I know my readers love from me. Um, but a lot of readers were scared away from picking it up because either they don't like rock stars, they didn't want the angst that was indicated in the blurb, whatever the case was. Um, whereas with the beta readers, you know, they have to read it. So of course they're going to see the value in it once they've actually picked it up, but getting readers to pick it up is, is half the challenge. Well, I'm sold on it. <laughs> so, <laughs> you sold me, um, at least, uh, if it makes you feel any better. Uh, you know, one of the reasons why this topic resonated so much with me is I am always paralyzed worrying about investing in the wrong project. Now, I work in nonfiction, you know, publishing for 15 years, and no matter what the genre is, what the pen name is, whatever, you know, we have a list of things that we could work on, right? We've got tons of ideas, and one of the things I worry about the most is always picking the wrong project. Like, you know, if you'll tell me which one's going to sell, I'll put my time and energy into that. It's not a big deal. I've got plenty, you know. Um, so the um, that obviously struck a chord with a lot of people in mm-hmm. in the um, community. I know I talked to people about your post. Everyone was like, did you see Kylene's post today? You know, it was like it was like the coffee <laughs> clatch of the day. And um, you said that you were, you got a lot of feedback personally about that post what were other authors saying to you about this whole writing to market thing um for a lot of authors it was kind of how you were mentioning um many of them messaged me saying thanks so much for that post because i was trying to decide between certain projects for 2020 you know a lot of people since it's the end of the year are planning for next year um and and knowing some of the things i said about looking at the market looking at what readers want um, both the tone and the trope of the story, you can put, you know, your eggs a little bit more into one basket than the other if something um, tends to sell better in this market. So I think that it, it affects a lot of people as far as um, just thinking about it a little bit more instead of just rushing ahead with whatever they had next on their list. After publishing Change of Heart, you shared that you experienced like a depression about it. Um, tell me what was that about? What did what did that involve? Yeah, that was the hardest one for me by far. I mean, it's always hard when your books don't do as well as you were hoping them um, to do. And honestly, I, I was kind of expecting it after um, everything with the replay series. Um, I, I was kind of braced 
that Change of Heart wouldn't do quite as well. But that was a book that really just spoke to me. I poured myself into that book. It was by far my favorite book I've written. Um, again, I got all the feedback from my beta readers and, and from my close author friends who read it ahead of time saying, you know, this is amazing. It's the best thing you've ever written. Um, but again, you know, even when you're kind of braced for it to not do as well, um, release day came and it did okay. You know, it was in the top 10 of, of gay romance. So it's not like it did horrible, but it certainly didn't meet the expectations I was hoping for it. Um, and it fell off really quickly. And, and something I started to notice was a lot, a lot of readers messaging me or, um, at GRL, I got this a lot too. Readers would come up to me and say, I really want to read this. It's on my TBR, but I'm, I'm terrified. I'm terrified to read it because it sounds so angsty. It sounds so emotional. And, and that started to kind of resonate with me that, okay, I know they like me and I know that they generally like my books, but I'm clearly getting into a space that's scaring readers off from picking this up because they're so worried that it's going to be too emotional. Um, and, and it really, it, it hit me hard because I, I realized that I was going to have to rethink things and, um, and it hit me hard that I had poured so much into this book and that readers weren't picking it up as much as I had hoped. You know, I, I kind of had Im, uh, images in my mind that this would be the book that, that readers would be recommending and all the, the book rec groups and everybody would be talking about it because it's, oh, it's so emotional. It's so great. But the opposite kind of happened. It was too emotional, I think, for a lot of readers. It kind of strikes me as like um, The Handmaid's Tale kind of thing like that show is so brilliant and I know it's gonna be brilliant but I don't know if I I gotta be in a certain headspace to go yeah. there and I'll wait until they're all out and then I'll be like I'm just gonna watch them all in three days I'm just gonna watch them all in three days you know and it's like you're, you kind of just take yourself up for it yeah deal when when you're trying to sell something to readers you, you don't want them to have to psych themselves up to read it you want them to to be excited to read it so right. Right. Um, yeah. yeah, and even <laughs> and even my own boyfriend said to me something about um uh we were talking about one of some early feedback to something that I was working on and I you know was telling him I said it's too complicated. Like I love complex backstories and side yeah. characters and all this stuff and he said to me um you know people's lives are complicated so they probably yeah. don't want that in you know when they're looking for something to escape into and i was like you know that's pretty much you nailed it on the head um yeah. the, it, it is a certain kind like you and i are a certain kind of reader we're like right. give it to me give me the hard <laughs> stuff you know I'm not trying to get it. <laughs> but you know he was really voicing something that i think is the the readership uh, on a larger scale that's really representative and and we hear over and over again you know people read romance to escape and they want to yeah. escape into happiness you know and as long as we get them there yeah. by the end we're okay but um yeah so what was it that kind of just got you to that place where you were like you know what this is a business i need to do something different what was the turning point um, it was Lucy Lennox <laughs> talking to sense into me. Um, I, I had messaged her when I was at that low point, and, um, and we had we had um, spent some time together earlier in the summer, and we talked a lot about marketing. And so I messaged her, and I said, you know, as I kind of expected, this book is not doing well, and I I'm kind of at a loss right now of, of what I should do going forward. And the thing that she said that stuck with me the most was readers would rather laugh than cry, mm. and. 
so I thought about that, and she's exactly right. I mean, not that you can't write things that are emotional at times, but by and large, readers are going to be much quicker to pick up a book that's laugh out loud funny than is going to have them in tears by the end of the first chapter, which a <laughs> change of heart was. Um, so that kind of got me rethinking things that you know, it's all well and good to write things that I love, and I, I still should, and I still want to do that, and I still love the books I'm writing. But if I'm running a business and this is my sole income, so it's kind of, you know, in for a penny, in for a pound here. Um, I need to write things that readers actually want to buy. Otherwise, you know, what's the point? What am I doing this for? Nobody wants to read what I'm writing. So that, that was really the big turning point for me. Lucy has a way of saying these things. We should collect them all into like, <laughs> I mean, do like them. motivational posters or something. <laughs> <laughs> Um, we're recording this uh, conversation in December of 2019. Your most recent title is Rocket Science. This is the book that um, that was a turnaround for you, mm-hmm. and it was very much strategically so. So after having that kind of epiphany through the conversations with Lucy, how did you go about researching or choosing the idea that became Rocket Science? Yeah, so this was, Rocket Science was initially meant to kind of test the waters. I wanted to see, test this theory, is it just that my books aren't selling as well now, like readers wanted Heathen Zinc, and now that Heathen Zinc is over, they don't want anything else, or is it that I'm not writing the right kind of book? So Rocket Science was meant to sort of test that theory and see if I could bring more readers in. So what I did was I, um, I did a post. I've got a super active reader group. Um, almost 4,000 members now, 3,600, something like that. And they're very active. So I did a, a poll uh, asking about readers' favorite tropes. And um, some of the things that came out on top of that are mostly what you would expect. Um, enemies to lovers is up there. Um, opposites attract. So like shy guy with a confident suave guy, um, things like that. Um, friends to lovers. Uh, Daddy kink was up there, which isn't surprising at the moment, considering how popular those have been. Um, so I kind of, I, I looked through those, um, and sort of made a mental list and unsurprisingly rock stars were way towards the bottom of the list, um, as was hurt comfort. So those were, you know, kind of, um, showing me what I'd already been seeing through my sales. So that's not really what readers are looking for as much right now. Um, and then after I, I looked through that list, I also spent a lot of time, um, in the MM book rec group looking at posts, reading through comments of posts, um, seeing what people are asking for, um, but then also seeing the comments because sometimes people ask for things that are less popular. Um, they're specifically looking for something. But if, if a post gets a ton of comments, then I would know, okay, that is something that a lot of readers are into um, since a lot of them have something to say about that topic. Um, and then finally, also looking at the top 100 charts for a few weeks, um, and seeing what kind of books were in there, what was selling, what were readers picking up the most. Um, and then I, I looked at, as you had mentioned, about having a list of ideas. I, I had a big list of stuff that I could potentially work on. And this was a book, Rocket Science, the general idea was something I'd been thinking about for a while. I'd kind of put it on the back burner, um, you know, because it was meant to be a standalone. And normally I try to focus more on series. But I said, okay, this is perfect. It's meant to be a standalone um, I, I can make it hit these tropes that readers said they liked. I can definitely make it sexy and funny instead of angsty. This would be the perfect one to experiment with. So I took this idea that I had already loosely had. My, the general loose idea was just 
best friend's older brother, um, as, you know, exploring his sexuality. So really loose, easy tropes that I was able to fit into um, the things that I had learned over the past few weeks. You, it's called your big takeaway um, trope and tone. You mm-hmm. said those were those were the the keywords for you. Um, can you elaborate on what that means? Like, what were the tropes and what was the tone? Were there certain tropes that you introduced into your story idea specifically because you felt yeah. like they were in high demand? Yeah, so definitely um, some of the tropes I had already planned on for this story. Like I said, you know, I knew he was going to be kind of a, a nerdy guy and his best friend's older brother. So those are two tropes right there that I already knew and that I found the poll were um, popular. So I definitely made sure I played up that angle, especially in the advertising. So the tropes that I had been thinking about were the best friend's older brother and the nerdy virgin. So that was kind of already on my mind. And based on the poll that I did, um, those looked like they were super popular. So I figured I'd lean into those, both with playing them up in the story and making sort of focus on them in the advertising when I was posting my teasers and things like that. Um, and then as far as tone, um, as I kind of mentioned, the better to laugh and cry thing. So I resisted any urge to inject angst into it. And I just kept it a fluffy, fun story focused on um, a lot of humor and plenty of sex, which is you know, what most readers are looking for in their romance stories. Um, and I just really leaned into that aspect of it instead of, um, you know, going the darker route that I, I tend to otherwise veer towards. What did that feel like trying to, like, what was that creative process like in trying to prevent yourself from, you know, sort of veering into the, oh, you know, here we, you know, you keep having these ideas come to mind. Were you, um, was it like this really strict kind of, these are my boundaries, I'm not going outside them. What did that feel like to try to do that? Uh, On this one, it was not too difficult, um, simply because it was a trope that I think already lent itself to be a little bit funny and fluffy and not quite as angsty. Um, I can definitely say that I, I have all of 2020 planned, and of course, like two days ago, this this angsty, totally perfect night story crept into my mind, and I'm trying to resist scrapping my 2020 marketable plan of books. Um, it, it's difficult. <laughs> it's very difficult because it's, it's very alluring to want to slip back into those patterns of of the books that I have so much fun with. One of the things that I noticed reading rocket science were there you really skip through anything that does not have the characters together for instance um there aren't a lot of side like nobody's going off and working on their career with any you know great level of detail you really kept all the scenes focused on the two main characters interacting and if they weren't physically in the same place they were usually texting about being in the same place you know um And uh, so that was something that I noticed about it and the way that you kind of um, would move through time in the story. It was mm-hmm. almost like a highlight reel of just their relationship as opposed to the story of their lives at that time. Do you know what I'm saying? Um, yeah. Having... I, I, that's kind of my uh, writing style in general. Okay. Uh, I, I tend, yeah, most of my books are pretty heavily um, zoomed in on the relationship. I don't tend to have a much side story going um, for the most part. 
I felt like as a, you know, would-be storyteller looking at the structure of what you do in your book compared to, you know, other things that I read or even my own tendencies, that was the thing for me that that really struck me as like, oh, this is good because I have a tendency to... Um, go way too long before introducing the second character or have too many storylines that don't have anything to do with the love affair, you know? And so I was really like watching that, like a hawk the whole time I was reading, I was really studying you and, and I was interested to know not having read a whole lot of your books, if that was kind of, um, a, a calculated thing if it was specific to this book or is that something though that you really choose to be very conscious of when you're writing a book oh uh, no I think it's mostly just my style uh, my creative process before I, I got into romance at all I was really into like before publishing ever these are things that would never see the light of day <laughs> but I liked a lot of high fantasy or young adult paranormal romance um, so more story heavy, but I would find that I would get bored writing it really quickly. Um, and that's what I would read and what I was writing at the time. Um, and then when I started, when I found romance initially, um, I was like, Hey, okay, this is what I like. I like the relationship. I don't really care so much about the rest of their lives or the outside story. Like this is what I want to focus on. And, and that's when I, I kind of found my writing voice. So it's it definitely, I think it's just how, how my brain works. So I'm coming up with stories. I'm not sure. <laughs> Okay, no, that's very cool. Um, th- thanks for sharing that. Um, very, very much one of those things that you have to ask the author in order to know. Um, tell me, okay, so you're gearing up. This is an experiment. You're putting rocket science out. Let's see what this does. What yeah. did it feel like when the sales started to roll in? Relief. <laughs> I was so relieved. I, I was at the point where I was like, okay, if this doesn't sell well. I'm basically just going to call everything a season drink spin-off. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I was so, so relieved. Um, and, and the craziest part is it did well. And then um, a few weeks after release, it was still in the top five or ten. Um, but then when I was at GRL, my husband called me and he said, did you know that you're back at number one again? And it just it blew my mind. I could not believe this is far and away better than any of my season drinks had sold. Um it was a, it was a whole other level, and I I was shocked. <laughs> I'm assuming that your 2020 um, to be written list includes some uh, more characters from the world in rocket science, right? Like, are you going to give yes. us an Alex story and Theo yes. and uh, yep, Alex, Theo, Bishop, Hudson? Yep, yeah. they're all going to get the stories. Okay. Um, but, you know, I will also say. Um, all my talk of writing to market and, and trying to keep things as broad as possible. Um, there are certain urges that I have no desire to get rid of, and that is writing my poly stories as well. Um, so the the first, the next one that I'm writing with uh, Bishop and Hudson is going to be 4M um, because I, I'm obsessed with writing polyamorous romances. So interesting. That, even though those aren't as big a money maker. Well, you know, I think I think probably one of the wisest things that you could do is have those series that have the tropes that are really going to hit the bullseye and sneak in a couple of the things that you want to do in the mix, you know, um, that uh, would seem like the best strategy involved so that you can still. I was also thinking, you know. 
um, there's some of those characters where I could see that it would be very hard not to have a little bit of angst in their um, in their stories. But anyway, okay, so you definitely (laughs) wanted to test the waters before you kind of went in with the decision to do a series. Yeah. Yep, exactly. So it was not planned as a series, but since it got such a good response, you know, I said definitely going to go ahead with the rest of these characters um, since readers are liking it so much. So what do you tell somebody, especially somebody that may be new to writing in this genre, having been, because you've ridden this roller coaster up and down a few hills now. Um, So what would be your advice to someone going into it or even to, you know, writers that are just looking to kind of refresh um, their approach and, and get more attention on their books? I'm, I'm wondering particularly, you know, about balancing maybe the, those authentic story tropes that you're drawn to with the ones that are more strategic. What would you say to someone? Yeah, I totally agree with that, that there's a, you have to find the intersection between what you like to write and what's marketable. Because if, if you hate what you're writing, that's going to come across in the story too. So, um, you know, as I mentioned, this is a story, rocket science is a story I was already planning to write. I just was able to take the things I had learned by looking at the market a little bit and focus it in a way and make sure to um, play up certain aspects like the, the nerdy part. People really loved that aspect of it was how nerdy Elijah was. So I... Maybe I would have downplayed that more had I not been um, studying the market as much. Um, so it, it's finding something that you do like and finding a way to fit it into what the market's looking for, um, if that makes sense. You know, you you don't want to, um, like you said, write something that you're not interested in just to fit it into the market because um, that that's not going to work out so well either. <laughs> People are going to be listening to this mostly in December 2019 and, you know, probably going into the early part of 2020. What is coming up for you? Are there any events or any particular books that we should be watching out for? Yes, so I'm currently um, working on the next spinoff series with Nora Phoenix. Um, our Kinky Boys series is going to be coming in January, so we're really excited about that. Um, and I'm also starting to work on the next one that comes after rocket science, um, which is called four letter word. I'm super, super excited about that one. Like I said, that's the four M. Um, and yeah, for next year, I've got a few new series planned, um, mostly pretty light, sexy, fun series. Um, events, not so much, (laughs) you know, GRL next year, most likely, but other than that, um, stands pretty low key, just focusing on getting lots of books out next year. Awesome. Kyleen, thank you for sharing your experiences with this whole writing to market thing, being vulnerable about, you know, some of the low points that you've been dealing with. I think that's the reason why it resonated with all of us as much as it did. Most people only show their high points online, you know. Um, I do really think that everything that you've had to say here will be really valuable to a lot of writers and very interesting to the fans. Um, Tell everybody where they can go to find you online and maybe what books are good to start with. Yeah, so you can find me um, on Facebook if you look up uh, KM Newhold or my reader group is Newhold's Nerds. Um, Very fun in there, so definitely check that out. Um, Or my author website is authorkmnewhold.com. So those are the best places to find me online. 
Um, I would say probably start with rocket science. It's a good place to dip your toe in if you're not ready to commit to one of the longer series yet. Um, unless you like angst, then definitely check out Change of Heart or Face the Music. Um, I think I answered all the questions. <laughs> I'm still gonna read the rock star books, and I'm, I'm probably gonna love them. And I'm gonna mess. I'm gonna message you and let you. Let you. Um, before I let you go, I would like to just kind of ask you this one thing I call the legacy question. What do you most hope your books contribute to the lives of your readers? I hope that it gives readers different perspectives. I try to write as many diverse characters as I can. Um, I've written characters who are struggling with bipolar. I've written characters who struggle with PTSD. Um, and a whole variety of other things. And I, I just hope that being able to get a peek into these characters' lives gives them a little bit of an idea of other things outside themselves or maybe things they've never thought about or experienced before. Thanks again for listening to GayRomance.show, the MM Author Podcast. You can subscribe in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or whatever app you prefer. For show notes and links to the websites and books we mentioned, please go to GayRomance.show. You can also find me at SlaveJames.com. And I'll talk to you later.